1: Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Derek here. So Kanye West has apologized. I want to put the word apologized in quotes uh, because I'm not even sure this is Kanye West. He has apologized for the torrent of anti-Semitic rants that he has gone on, not just in the last week or month, but now really years. Apologized in a way a lot of people not only don't believe is authentic, but a lot of people think These aren't even his words. So here are the words. He actually did it in Hebrew.
2: That's right. And that's a key point of all this. But what it translates to is, I sincerely apologize to the Jewish community for any unintended outburst caused by my words or actions. It was not my intention to hurt or disrespect, and I deeply regret any pain I may have caused. I am committed to starting with myself and learning from this experience to ensure greater sensitivity and understanding in the future. Your forgiveness is important to me, and I am committed to making amends and promoting unity. Those are not... Kanye
1: West's words. It sounds nothing like Kanye West. We know how Kanye Kanye West sounds. Yes. It's just not the way, this is corporate speak. So, I mean. It's not the way he
2: speaks. It's certainly not the way he tweets in all caps and loud outbursts and rants and all sorts. This sounds very
1: composed and corporate. So there were were some people who were suggesting maybe Kanye actually did this off a chat GPT. So we have decided to do our own little experiment And we typed in some questions about how would I do an apology and whatnot. And this is a detector that says that statement, word for word has an 85% chance
2: of being AI generated. And this is a huge probability. So you can just look at the words he said, know how Kanye speaks, put it in this detector, because now they have these detectors to see whether these apologies are actually coming from the humans that say that say they're saying them. And this says it's 85% chance it's
3: AI. But, but, but that's okay, right? We all use AI in this day and age to say things that- that we want to say. I'm not putting aside for a second whether we believe it's his words, whether we believe he means them, all that aside, there's lots of things done with AI, with AI's help. If you wanna come up with a really compelling apology, one of the helpful u- us- utilities of AI is to help you come up with that.
1: Well, that may that, that be true, and that, and that may well be true, but to me, that just goes to authenticity. Yeah. Whether somebody actually believes the words they're saying or whether they're just getting what they need to dig themselves out of a hole. And yes, AI can sometimes be used to make something more artful than you could even though you believe it. But sometimes it can be used just because you want to say something and you don't know how to say it and you just put it in. feels like Kanye West to me here. Yeah,
2: I mean, AI is a tool, as you're alluding to. You can use it to help you write screenplays if you want, but an apology is based on sincerity. The whole point of an apology is, do How? you mean it? And I don't buy it if you're putting it in Jason, a... Are you,
3: Jason, are you buying what he's selling there? No, I'm not, but I, I, here's what I think. Number one, it, it, it seems preposterous based on what we've heard over from him over the last many years, his love of Hitler, his tremendous anti-Semitism, Def direct con full Jews. front, Defcon to Jews, the whole thing. I also want to keep in mind this is a man who for years has suffered with enormous mental illnesses. And we sometimes, and Derek, you've been a uh, campaigner for this, we sometimes give short triff to that. And we say, well, mental illness aside, he's still doing this. Undoubtedly true. But I think this really does bespeak a tremendous mental illness that he, that he has. His Now, we could be more pessimistic about it and just say we're more skeptical and so, just say, look, uh, he's uh, a big uh, liar. No, but, well,
1: hold on. I think you're right. He, well, we know you're right. Yeah. He does have a mental illness. He, was, he actually talked to us about it here and that he was taking meds, which were essentially bipolar meds. He chose to go off of them, in, substantially go off of them because he said it inhibited his creativity. So at a point, I mean, if you keep saying, mental illness, it's mental illness, it's mental illness. If he's choosing to make these particular statements and they're consistent over a period of time, can't you be mentally ill and still be anti-Semitic? Get- Look, I think at some point we have
2: to accept it as his worldview, right? I mean, this is a guy who's not made one misstep. It's his considered worldview, and he's let us know that. Can't post one comment in Hebrew. And as a matter of fact, the fact that he put it in Hebrew is
1: insulting. Is insulting. Makes it feel like a troll. It is totally insulting that he did this in Hebrew. Okay, well, let's bring somebody in who um, has skin in the game, who knows something about this. Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97. Uh, he is a DJ who has been called out by Kanye West in the past and he is joining us again right now. Peter, welcome back to TMZ Live.
4: Hey guys, happy holidays, thanks for having me. Happy
1: thanks. holidays to you. Um, your reaction to Kanye's apology?
4: Um, I, I, I thought, I wonder what the sample is that Kanye needs to try to clear before Friday. Cause we, we all know Kanye notoriously is late with handling album stuff. And I just wonder whether there was something getting held up and, and someone said, hey, This sample does not not get cleared if he does not issue an apology. And like you guys said, he just goes on ChatGPT and boom, we get a quote apology. You buying it? No, of course not. Absolutely not. No part of me believes this apology. I, I, I totally agree, by the way, that the Hebrew part was like so either intentionally or unintentionally offensive as if like American Jews can just read Hebrew without vowels. Uh, like, bro, it, it's, it's just another offensive thing here. No, nah, I don't even think it wasn't even one thing we know about Kanye. He does. He's he's many things inauthentic is not one of them. And that comment was so inauthentic that it lets you know it couldn't actually be from him.
2: So Peter, you're not buying it. We didn't buy it either. My question is, will this be effective? He wants to release music. He's got music on tap. It was delayed in some way, maybe for these sampling reasons. Is an apology like this, which is possibly AI generated, going to be effective in clearing the decks for him to release music and have it adopted?
4: The only way I can see it being effective is if there was literally a record executive, you know, who was holding up a sample who said, I need some sort of apology or I won't do it. And so they said, all right, fine, we'll give you an apology. Now, this is all speculation, because I can't see how a person who honestly wanted to really feel better about how Kanye feels, I can't imagine that this would do the job. So it would only exist and be effective in some sort of weird, perfunctory, nonsense way. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I can't see a world in which this would be seen as effective as by a human being, no one believes Kanye actually feels that way. So explain something to me. I I mean,
1: we're all kind of in alignment here that there's no way he wrote it and I feel no way he feels that. So if a record executive were to embrace that statement, it would feel like it would almost backfire that it's a kind of a you know a record executive who is so interested in making money off of the album that they would overlook the insincerity of the apology.
4: Uh, well, yeah, Harvey, absolutely. Because the fact of the matter is, there are really nasty people in the record industry who really just want to make a buck and do not care about the anti-Semitic vitriol from Kanye West. They just need to get it down on paper so they cover their bases. You know that that is a fact. Like, listen. Kanye West, everything he said about the record industry was not false. It was just draped in sick anti-Semitism. But there is a lot of nastiness in this business, and there are a lot of people who will be quick to try to make the money. Guys, think about how many Jewish people we know who turned a blind eye to the things that he was saying in hopes of making that almighty dollar. And let's not forget. These executives don't just turn a blind eye to anti-Semitism. They turn a blind eye to horrible lyrics that are, 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 are horrifying in the stereotypes they push on black youth. There are people who constantly turn a blind eye to make money in this industry. So,
1: so let me ask you something. There's a, a I think I wanna use this. There's a Hebrew um, expression, um, you know, for one of the uh, high holy days, Tanah Halayla hazeh, which means why is this night different from all the rest? So the reason I ask that is that I think today is different from a lot of the other days because Kanye's anti-Semitism is almost becoming mainstream now with what's going on in this country and the world, where people are talking about gassing Jews. Um, And so I'm just wondering, how is Kanye's sales going to go if this album gets released? Are people going to say well, you know what, we kind of agree with him, we're going to buy his records, or do you think there's going to be a serious boycott?
4: Let's just be realistic, guys. There are a lot of things leading to anti-Semitism right now that are much more important and impactful than Kanye West. Um, So I just think, I I think the people now who are left to support him are these Kanye, Yeezy-obsessed, sycophant kids. I think that's who's left as Kanye fans. I do not know any adults, and my whole life is is hip-hop. I do not know adults who still get excited to hear new Kanye West music. That is a mix of the anti-Semitism, uh, the crazy talk and just not great music over the last five to seven years. So I don't think it'll be boycotted. I think most people won't care. And I think furthermore, you know, I, I don't even care as much that the fact of the matter is we have a lot issues way deeper right now happening than Kanye West. Um, and those that are much more disconcerting, you know, I, I need this war, I think we all need this war to end. Um, We need the hostages to be freed, we need peace. I know it sounds incredibly generic, but it is true. I gotta Um, tell you,
1: Peter, I I, I wish I could agree with you, but I just have a feeling he is gonna become a symbol of anti-Semitism for a lot of anti-Semitic followers, so we will see, but look, we really, really, always appreciate having you on the show. Thank you, Peter. Thanks.
4: Cheers, guys, thanks for the conversation. Okay.
1: Um, look, we are gonna take a break. When we come back, we are gonna change things up. Kyle Richards and Mauricio um, they are separated. Um, she is spending a lot of time with a friend of hers. He is spending time with women on ski slopes in towels and shirtless in bars, he is. But somehow they came together as well on Christmas. So, speaking of authenticity, what the heck is going on here? Welcome back to TMZ Live. Harvey and Derek here. So we have followed the trials and tribulations of Maurizio Mansky and Kyle Richards. They have separated. We know that. They've talked about it. They said they have never even used the word divorce. They don't know whether they will or won't get divorced. Don't know whether they will or won't stay married. They love each other. All that. Um, So now we're trying to figure out um, if they are still giving it a chance How did Maurizio end up at a bar like this in Aspen, Colorado? Check out this video because this is insane. That is Maurizio in the green pants, shirtless, dancing, spraying champagne, and, um, He's 54.
2: <laughs> it's unbelievable. This is a man in his mid-50s. He's spraying around champagne like a 20-year-old. He's there with Anita, a singer, and a YouTube influencer. He seems to be grasping at youth here. This looks to me like a man who just has been cooped up for too long. All and I, I
1: could say, say is, if I did that... And came back to the office. We I would, would be, be un- rel- annihilated. Relentless, Harvey. You would hear
2: about it deep into the new year, probably till June.
1: So um, he sure looks like he's having fun. And again, this is Aspen, and they're all there. Kyle's there. The kids are there. He's there.
2: But Aspen has been a family trip for years for the two of them. It's- so there's also a family component. So look that's at this. so that- <laughs> there's a
1: happy family on the that's slope. The happy family on the ski slopes, um, and they look fine. Um, and then there are some. There's a, some interesting video. So if you look, there is Kyle holding the coffee. Maurizio's there with skis to the left, and he's kind of walking away, not really interacting. And again, you can't tell much from a video. I mean, that just may be a moment in time. But um, it's a tale of two
5: trips.
0: Where <laughs> is this going? I don't know. I mean, they, assuming they're doing part of this for the children that they have together, because we got these pictures of them out to dinner on Saturday night. They were at a high-end sushi restaurant, also in Aspen. Kyle and Mauricio are sitting next to each other. Can I stop you? Is there
1: such a thing as a low-end sushi restaurant in Aspen? (laughs) Probably
0: not. (laughs) But you know what I was thinking? I'm kind of getting, like, the Kim Croy vibe. I mean, minus the violence. It's kind of different, but it's like...
2: That's a big big part of the the Kim Kim Croy Croy vibe, though. (laughs)
0: Let's pull the plug. The marriage is over. Let's file for divorce and move on. Come on, guys. I mean, how long are we going to wonder if they're separated, if they're going to get back together? I feel like we've been talking about this almost as long as, we, long as we've been talking about Kim and Croy. Right, Brendan,
1: I agree with you, but the question is, why is this getting dragged out, out the way it is? Because it's been months and months and months.
0: I mean, it, it seems they're trying to make it work. I mean, that's are, what they? We've been told. are they? That's what we've been told. I, I, know,
1: we- I know we've been told that but they are living separate lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it is the fact that, you know, her season of Beverly Hills Housewives is airing. He's got a new season of his show on Netflix coming out. So it definitely is drumming up publicity. I mean, we're talking about it every single day.
1: They were pissed when somebody suggested they were doing this for publicity, remember?
0: Yes, I do, but I I, I mean, I think that there is a a part of this is publicity.
1: I guess the question though is, how long do they keep the marriage going? And I don't know the answer, maybe they don't even know the answer, but they've got history and love that keeps them from separating. And I think they're kind of in a crisis. And the magnum bottle of booze is a coping mechanism? I think, a ma- <laughs> I think the magnum bottle of booze is the part where he says, I've been married for 27 years, I've raised a family, I've been a good husband, I need freedom.
2: Yeah, it's the most relatable part of the whole story I've seen.
5: (laughs) Hey, I'm Mr. Marcus White. I'm calling from calling in from New York, and I love that Kyle and Mariso actually spent Christmas together. It shows that they obviously are doing this for the kids, and like Harvey said, like they've been doing this for so many years in the past. So I do like the fact that they did the Christmas together. But like to answer your question though, why are they like prolonging this divorce or this separation thing? I think that honestly, they've been married for 27 years, and I think that honestly, that they just probably decided, hey, let's just do our own thing. We saw we see Kyle and Beverly Hills Housewives getting tattooed every other episode with her friend, Morgan Wade. And then we see Mauricio in that video, just partying like a 20 year old. I feel like they both are liberated right now that they're separated. And they probably just have to find themselves. Say,
1: I gotta say, when you mention the tattoos, I think you're right that if this separation drags on, she's gonna end up looking like Travis Barker <laughs> she's because hopefully you get divorced. <laughs> um, okay, so um, the relationship between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey um, has both hit a hiccup and a hickey. Um, The hiccup is that the Chiefs not only lost, but Travis played a terrible game and so did Patrick Mahomes. The hickey is on his neck. (laughs) And we don't know for sure, but what's that? Come on, man. That is
2: unmistakable. That's a love bite. I, I don't care what you say. That is a hickey on his neck. You can sustain injuries, you know, the pads can hit you and you can leave a mark. But this is a guy who's in love. They're in the honeymoon phase. They got a little hickey and he brought it onto the field and he stunk up the joint. That's the key. <laughs> he stunk and he's not looking good for the past few weeks. Are they gonna turn?
1: There are there are the Some of the fans are turning right now. And there's even this little bit of a rumbling. It's not, and, and I'm not suggesting it, but there are some fans that are saying she's the Yoko Ono of the Chiefs, um, and they're saying it just because at the beginning she was, you know, they were winning every time she showed up, and now they're losing, and. He played a lousy game.
6: But this is ridiculous, you guys. He has one bad game, and it's like, oh, the Taylor Swift curse. Well, she was there in the beginning at his games for so many games, and he was crushing it. No, 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 no,
1: no, They lost three, I believe, when she was there. I think In the very the
6: beginning, she was the yeah, he won, the like, first the two. first three games. No,
1: the first two games, uh, I think.
2: She, okay,
6: first two games, but then he they, won. No,
2: but that was before her influence, before she'd sunk her claws, and now he looks sluggish, no, 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 he th- looks happy. No, no, no,
1: you know what it was before? It was before the NFL bought it hook, line, and sinker. That's true. Well, well, the NFL bought it hook, line, and sinker, and then all of a sudden they started losing because they were drinking the Kool-Aid, and now people are saying, well, the team's off track, because they've diverted their attention. Charlie, she's derailing his career.
6: I hate to break it to you. Doesn't matter if he's off track with football. Guess who's on track? Both of them. Because their relationship right now is soaring. The parents, well, the dads finally met over, you know, over the break. They're getting um, engaged. And yeah. yeah, it seems like everything's like moving pretty fast. If they haven't,
1: if they haven't already, I think
5: they're getting engaged. I don't know, but I think. Hi, my name is Nick from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I don't believe that's a hickey because I think before the game started, he had nothing. It's a contact sport; he could have got hit by a hand or a finger. But uh, just like in sports, everyone's superstitious. When things go right, they'll blame, they'll they'll look for positive, and if things go wrong, and I guess uh, T. Swift is being the the scapegoat.
1: Yeah, that's funny you say that because people did jump on her as a good luck charm when they start when when they were winning the first couple of games. So it's kind of like the facts of life.
2: If she starts forgetting lyrics on stage though, then both of their careers have detoured. They may not be good for each other.
1: Okay, we gotta take a break. Uh, When we come back, Tiffany Haddish, she's great. I mean, I really, really like Tiffany. You know what happened to her a month or so ago. She got a DUI and she's been charged with that. Well, she, during this pending case, had a stand-up act over the weekend, a set, and she kind of made fun of it. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Tiffany Haddish uh, spent part of her Christmas holiday at the Laugh Factory. They do a lot of really good things there by the way. They feed the homeless. It's an annual thing and it's, it's wonderful. But she performed as well. And she made light of her DUI arrest, which was just weeks ago, where she was arrested in Beverly Hills. She wasn't even driving. She was kind of slumped yes. over the wheel. Mm-hmm. So um, she has been charged with DUI and it's complicated and we're gonna get into um, why it is and why what you're about to see could complicate it even further. You ain't
6: live till you got arrested in Beverly Hills, okay? That's, look, hey, 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 it's beautiful over here. <laughs> I've been in quite a few jigs, but
0: that job was nice. It's so clean. The food, I didn't eat, I didn't eat I was fasting. I had already ate four times. I've been serving food all day Thanksgiving. I had already ate four times, so I didn't need nothing to eat. But they did offer me juice and stuff. I was like, "Oh, this is
5: so nice." And then my cycle had started while I was in there. That's when you know that they bad. You like that? And I'm bleeding on the, on the in the jail. Okay, cool. But they had the best maxi pads I've never seen a pad so big. It went from the top of my belly button to the top part of my head.
1: So here's the complication here. So Tiffany, um, uh, you heard. I mean, she made jokes about It's vintage DUI. Tiffany, yeah. Right. The problem is this. She has been charged with DUI. In California and most states, people who get their uh, first DUI typically get probation. Not always, but typically, they'll get probation, they'll get a license suspension sometimes, but not jail time. If there is a second DUI within a period of time, um, there is a mandatory jail sentence in California of four days, 96 hours behind bars, mandatory. Tiffany has a second DUI that she got last year in Georgia. That's right. And the question, will a judge look at the Georgia case and say, that's your second DUI, we're gonna give you mandatory jail. And the reason I raise it is a lot of lawyers say, just don't say anything because this can get dicey. That's
2: right, you're in the judge's hands and judges, particularly for your second offense, they wanna see some contrition. And she's up on stage dressed as Mrs. Claus, joking about how nice the Beverly Hills jail system is. It's not really looking contrite, it's not looking like you've learned your lesson and they'll look for a way to say that second offense should mean You get your mandatory four days to learn your lesson.
3: But first of all, this was a benefit for people in need. And second off, isn't that what comedians do? They take things that happen in their real life. They kind of make light of them. She's performing for people. You really think this can be held against her in court? I don't see how.
1: Well, no, you're right. I mean, look, that doesn't mean she's not taking it seriously. But, Devin, you you know right after the DUI, she said, look, I'm going to go get some help. This is never going to happen again. And... Judges do care about the way a defendant um, reacts to the charge. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that they're human because, look, you may get a judge who says exactly what you said, Devin, but you may also get a judge who says that shows a lack of contrition. And if it's a close case on whether I consider Georgia as the other offense— A judge may say, screw it, I'm gonna do it.
3: I mean, I guess that's true. It could get kind of risky for her. So you're saying she should just leave all the DUI material out of her stand I'm
1: saying that her lawyer (laughs) almost certainly told her that. Now that doesn't mean she has to follow it, but I'm guessing her lawyer...
2: I, I bet the lawyer was in the, in the audience white-knuckling this entire performance. That's, that's what I'll say. But look, Tiffany does sail through these controversies sometimes because she's so likable. And this is why she will get through this, but she may have to do some time. It may not be the best move legally.
5: Hi, my name is Brittany Cherry, and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was really rooting for Tiffany to change her ways. I mean, this is her second DUI. She doesn't seem to have any accountability to what she's doing. And she gets on stage and the jokes aren't even funny. And I'm like, if you're gonna joke about being in jail, at least make them funny. Like she should have had a crash course in comedy or like next time she needs to look both ways before getting on stage. It wasn't funny. Like we're tired. We're tired. Shakira was tired. The people are tired. The jokes are tired. We're tired.
1: Well, okay, look, she is hysterical as a rule maybe this didn't land but she really is funny we will see what happens but look i mean at, at the same time you got to understand that when P- it, it, this is a sign that she needs help and she said it and you know at a point you got to got to consider all of that as well okay taking a break when we come back there is Um, a Mount Rushmore uh, of rap. You know, who should be on Mount Rushmore? There are some people who say Eminem should absolutely be disqualified from that because he's white. Welcome back to TMZ Live, Harvey and Derek here. So um, Eminem is one of the most successful rappers in the last 50 years for sure. Now the question, where is he in the pantheon of rappers. Is he number one, number seven, um, number 20? Well, there is somebody, um, a very famous person, Uh, his name is Dr. Umar Johnson, a psychologist, a self-proclaimed black supremacist who says ain't no place for Eminem on the Mount Rushmore of rappers because of his skin color. And he talked about it on Joe Budden's podcast. One of the issues I have Mm -hmm. with the fact that we let non-Africans participate in our culture so much, they can do so as a hobby because whenever they wanna take off their Mm -hmm. suit, they can put their white privilege suit right back on and pick up the privileges they had before they made the rap album. Eminem has all the privileges of a white male and the privileges of being in the hip hop community.
4: You don't think Eminem is one of the best rappers of all time? Let me say something to you, and this is going to my African
1: fundamentalism. No non-African, can ever be the best of anything African. It is an insult to the ancestors, it is an insult
6: to the race, and it is an insult to every black person. For you to put him at the top, that's that's white supremacy. That's white supremacy. Ain't no no
1: non-African can be the best anything in my race. Just like I can't be in theirs, and that's the way it should be.
6: Guys, if Dr. Umar was paying attention to the hip-hop 50 celebrations, he would know that Jay-Z was unanimously crowned by plenty of people as the best rapper, so there was no need to jump out the window for this erroneous rant about race. You know, Eminem has addressed his race several times in his music, so for Dr. Umar to, you know, make it about race on a hip-hop debate, you know, shows his lack of the culture. Tren, the my, knowledge of the culture. My my
2: question though is is Eminem eligible to be in the conversation of the greatest rapper or is he because what he's saying is a very strong argument not who is the greatest rapper but is Eminem even allowed to be in that conversation? You may come down on the side of Jay-Z and that's fine but you know Eminem is incredible and he's he's been lauded by Dr. Dre and so many people in, in rap for for him to say that he's not even in the
6: conversation seems ridiculous
2: because you know? of his race. Because solely of his race, it's certainly not class privilege. He grew up very poor Insane. in Detroit.
6: You know, Eminem has diamond albums, Eminem has the respect of his hip-hop peers, he's recorded with everybody, obviously Dr. Dre, Eminem is one of the people who brought us 50 Cent, you know, so Eminem's contributions to the hip-hop community cannot be negated, no matter what side of uh, the coin he flips on, you know, race. And as far as like Dr. Umar talking about the schools, Eminem is known to donate to Detroit and Michigan causes, which benefit black and white people.
1: So, Trent, I know he has a big following, Umar Johnson. Are there a lot of people who support what he's saying, or is he kind of an outlier here?
6: Well, I mean, Eminem does have a big fan base, a, a big popularity because of it. He's, he's white, so Eminem does have haters. So, yeah, there are people aligning with Dr. Umar's point of view in this, but, again, I think it's a slanted conversation. We're not talking about the music. Let's talk about hip-hop. Eminem was definitely one of, on the Mount Rushmore.
2: I got to say, I find it so divisive and disheartening because we had this conversation earlier about Tiger Woods, who people said, that is a white sport. It started in Scotland. The notion that the greatest ever at golf could be a black man. Serena Williams. Serena Williams in tennis. These were lily white avenues uh, for the longest period of time. And then it changed. And we celebrated it. And we celebrate the change. Why this, why he should be excused from the conversation. I don't care if you like him as the best rapper and you come down on that, but he should be eligible to be in the conversation. He's a tremendous rapper.
5: What's up, gents? This is Chris down in Florida. Listen, I'm from New York, born and raised, you know, the birthplace of hip hop. I'm gonna tell you right now, I, sometimes I agree with Dr. Umar, but in this instance, hip hop is, hip hop is an art form. So yes, Eminem shouldn't necessarily be the face of hip hop, but it also comes down to having skills as a lyricist. And nobody's going to sit there tonight. You can't even give me 10 rappers lyrically who are better than Eminem. He even went on the song, uh, Till I Collapsed, with Nate Dogg. If you listen to one of the parts in the verse, he names eight other rappers who are better than him that are his influence, and they're all black. And every single one of those rappers have given him his flowers. So Umar definitely jumped out the window on this one. It's like Eminem definitely deserves to be in the conversation as far as one of the greatest uh, lyricists of all time, if not top five for sure, because you really can't name other rappers who are lyrically better than him
1: you know what i would like to do i would like to set up a mount rushmore theme park and you just like have like mountains with four people um, for music and acting and everything else and everybody just kind of walks around no that person shouldn't (laughs) be there that person shouldn't be there what about that you're the only
2: one who wants to start a theme park to start a riot
1: (laughs) i love it uh okay i'm really confused about this so A week ago, we told you it looked like Cardi B and Offset were done. That she is not even so much angry as as much as over Offset, and she's made that so clear. And the two of them haven't been together, haven't been seen together. It felt like it was over and out, and now this. So this is them during Christmas, and they are a family, at least there. So the question, are they doing it for the kids, are they still together, rip it, rip it. not together?
2: It's hard to make sense of this. I mean, it looks almost like a reconciliation, but the pain you heard in her voice, if you juxtapose that audio where she went on live and was just sort of broken and over it with what she's doing with Culture and Wave, their two young kids. Unless
1: they're doing it for the kids.
2: Yes, in one sense it's admirable.
0: That's exactly what they're doing it for. As hard as she was and as mad as she was in that video, Cardi is also just as passionate about making sure her kids are happy, so that means, if that means she has to sit and kiki with her uh, estranged husband for Christmas, she's gonna do that. As you can see, Culture had her own Christmas tree. Wave had his own tree. Like, she wants to make sure that the things for the kids are all set and normal. The kids didn't ask to be here, so they shouldn't be engulfed in mom and dad's drama. It's very easy for them to co-parent and just put things, uh, you know, on a, uh, behind them for the kids. I will say, if I was an extended family member, though, I feel like those are the people that were awkward. Could, could, can you, like, imagine having to walk around the house during Christmas and you know, like, there's just this, like, elephant in the room of Cardi and Offset... Beeping yeah,
5: that no that a lot. Yeah, kind of cut the ham. <laughs> That's a lot. This is Latrell from Atlanta, you know, Offset and Cardi B's relationship has been inconsistent over the years. But at the end of the day, you know, they have a beautiful family. I'm hoping that they can reconcile. And if Cardi B can show this vulnerability and address these issues on her next album next year, that can probably help out. But I'm hoping that they can get it together for the sake of their family. We don't know. Uh, we're taking a break when we come back. We're going
1: to have one of our favorite people on. Uh, Howie Mandel is going to be here live. America's Got Talent has got an awesome new show. It's a new franchise that I I gotta tell you, this is a brilliant TV move and Howie is going to unveil it when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. One of our favorite people to have on TMZ Live is Howie Benzel. Um, He has just been great, great, great over the years. And speaking of over the years, Howie Mandel has been on one of the most enduring shows on television, America's Got Talent. He has been on that show for 13 years and counting. And AGT has a new gig, um, and that is creating a fantasy league. It's going to be basically finding people over the years who just connected with the various judges, and they're going to create teams based on A lot of people they can draw from, so I'm so excited, always, to bring him back. Howie, welcome back to TMZ Live.
5: Happy New Year, it's January 1st. I'm just getting off the treadmill. Let me just get off the treadmill here. This is uh, my New Year's resolution, and I want to keep it this year. My New Year's resolution was, uh, I'm gonna do, uh, starting January 1st, I'm gonna do cardio, uh, on January 1st, and then that's gonna be it for the rest of the year, and so, but that's good, so I'm done.
1: Why don't we just take a uh, video of you with Ozempic? Wouldn't that be a lot easier?
5: Well, then that is crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I would never do that. I would never take that. Anyway, I gotta tell you, I am so excited about this show. This show, I, I wish, and I'm gonna be honest with you, and I said it to Simon, I wish that this was the show that we did in the regular season. It gave us as judges so much more than we have ever had to do. And it was fun to be competitive. Mel B came back. So it's me, Mel B, uh, Simon and Heidi competing against each other. So America picked the top 40 acts and the best of the best from the Unbeatable to Cody Lee to Darcy Lynn. We drew straws. We, we drafted our own teams of 10 and then the games begin and it's all amazing uh, performances. We get to mentor, we get to help, and hopefully uh, we get to win.
1: So you're taking people that could go back like 13 years. A lot of them have had careers since then. Are you allowed to pick somebody who's actually created a career off of what they did on AGT?
5: I think just about everybody you will see has created a career and, and doesn't need to do this, but. The reason that they are winners and runner-ups and such uh, fan favorites is because they have that competitive force. Just because, you know, ATT has never, I think people misinterpret it as an amateur show. It's not an amateur show. I mean, people with hopes and dreams come on, but we've had people throughout the years who have careers, make a living doing that, and they're just competing. Think of it as the, you know, like the US Open for like tennis, you, you are uh, you're definitely professional, but you want to win that trophy. You want to win that money. You want to win those bragging rights. So these people who are headliners already in Vegas, working all over the world, uh, fan favorites, people of hundreds of millions of clicks online will show up to be part of our team and go for the gold, go to win.
2: So I have a question. With bragging rights on the line, you've got to select your team. It's a little bit like the voice where you sort of carry them through. Who are you excited about beating in this? Like, do you want to beat Mel B? Who would be the most satisfying, Simon or Heidi? Everyone, I want to win. And
5: each of us is uh, equally as competitive. I don't care. I will take anybody down. There's nobody that I will (laughs) spare. I will take Simon down. I will take Mel B down. I'll take Heidi down. I just wanna win and I don't think that my feeling is any different than any of theirs. We are all in it to win it.
2: I love that. So what is the strategy? Do you want some singers? Do you want some jugglers? Like what what type of talent are you looking for? Are you just t- taking the, the best off the board to keep it from going to Simon or something?
5: Yeah, we will start the, the game with, there are 40 acts because there are, four, you know, and each of us get 10. We will draw straws. So, you know, the shortest straw goes last, the longest straw goes first. And ultimately we're looking at that board and each time going for what we think is the winning act. So first choice will be the the best act that is in your mind available.
1: I gotta tell you, um, there are a lot of shows that will try something because they've been on for a while and sometimes it's hokey. This is great. This is a really smart idea.
5: We all said it. I'm not just saying it to promote it, not because I'm here on TMZ. I loved and I think that I speak for everybody. We love this even more than the regular show. This added another element of excitement, another element of competition, and the fact is there are no such thing as fails in as far as, you know, an act goes on. These are world-class acts. Every act, act after act after act is a jaw-dropping moment. So this is don't miss TV.
1: Okay, yeah. I got to ask you something. You you posted a picture of you and Meghan Markle back in the day when you hosted Deal No Deal. I'm wondering, do you think she's going to go back into acting? She did that coffee commercial where she's in the background. Suits, Suits has been huge. Suits is huge now.
5: I do. I do think that we will see. If it's not this year, it's next year. I, I don't know her. I don't talk to her. I mean, that, that picture that I posted is just... It was a Christmas party where she said, please, Howie, give me a lap dance. But I, I, so I don't really know her, but I would think if I was a guessing or betting man that we will see more of her in traditional entertainment scripted television.
1: I agree. Hey, is that uh, a pandemic, Jim?
5: Yeah, I got into amazing shape. You got, I got into the best shape I've ever been in during the pandemic. It's great. You look the best when you can't see anybody in person.
1: <laughs> no, that's true. What a waste, right?
5: And a, a, a special shout-out to uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Had I had a blowout New Year's Eve party last night, and she was my designated driver, so thank you,
2: Tiffany. <laughs> oh, my God, Howie. <laughs> Glad to see you home safe and sound. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> that's, that's, right on time, right, right on time. time. You're right on time. <laughs> okay.
1: um, Howie, listen, um, nothing but the best to you. Happy New Year to you. It's the first time I said that. Yeah. Um, and uh, your show, honestly, your show sounds awesome can't wait to see it and
5: then right after the finale deal or no deal island i produced we'll talk about that i'll come back on
1: you got a deal you got a deal thank you howie thanks howie bye bye. taking a break when we come back ariana grande remember we told you she hooked up with ethan slater back in england well that relationship seems very serious now and increasingly serious and we got some pictures to prove it A lot of people thought when uh, Ariana Grande um, hooked up with Ethan Slater, both of whom were in Wicked or are going to be in Wicked, that it was just going to be a thing, a fling in England. It ain't. They are both back in the United States. They've been back for a while, but they were out the other night. And I got to say, when you just look at the images, this is as serious as Travis and Taylor. (laughs)
4: Is that the criteria now? We're judging things on a Travis (laughs) to Taylor bar. Uh, But but to your point, Harvey, I mean, what was interesting was when they first became an item, they were radio silent. And now it seems like several months later, after the divorces and whatnot, we're now seeing them step out, be together, and clearly are taking the next steps in their relationship. So it's good to see.
2: I'll admit, I was incredulous about this, as everyone else was, because there's a certain glamorousness to Ariana Grande. And we thought, oh, maybe this is just an onset romance. But it's real. They look comfortable. In these pictures, and you always criticize us when we when we look at a picture and say, "Ah, that could never work."
1: Well, hold on. I don't think glamorous is her measure of boyfriends. I,
2: I, I Pete mean, Davidson wasn't glamorous. I know. Yeah. But
1: when you say you were used to the glamorous thing, that's not been her thing.
4: Yeah. What's so, the common thread between Big Sean, Pete Davidson, and Ethan Slater? Because I can't figure it out. I
1: can. <laughs> that, Pray tell, Harvey. That there are there are so many people have a type. That they've got to be an actor as big as me. They've got to have the same amount of money as me. They've got to look a certain way. And I don't think she cares about that. It's just guys she's into. And I think that's great. And, you know, we talk about this in the office all the time. Why does somebody have to be as famous as you for to fall in love with them? I think it's ridiculous. And I don't think she feels that way. I think she likes who she likes. And it doesn't matter all these measures that everybody else You've has.
2: convinced me, it's sort of refreshing that she's following her heart and her yeah. taste wherever they lead her and great. she doesn't care about appearances I and they like great. each other.
5: Hi, my name's Camila from Ontario, Canada and I think Ariana Grande and SpongeBob need to be together for a very, very, very long time <laughs> in order to kind of combat all the stuff that's happened. I mean, I can't really say she looks happy off, like, pictures and some videos because, you know, we don't really know these people. I don't know this person personally, but I just think that after everything that's been going on, they, they have to be happily married in about, like, a year and a half. God, you're getting, and, them, you're so-
1: getting them married in a rocking chair already, <laughs> man. Got them hitched under the sea. Oh, okay. What else do you guys want to talk about?
0: Hi, my name is Imani Gregory. I'm calling from East Orange, New Jersey, and I am chiming in on the Travis and Taylor situation. I think that they're a cute couple. I think that people should let them rock. Whether they get married or not is up to them. Let them live. Let them vibe a little bit.
5: Okay, one more. Hi, Letitia from Dallas and Kanye West, we the people are
0: tired. We're so tired of
3: your
5: behavior. We're so tired of your rant. And what I think you should do is if you're gonna apologize in public, then you should do it the same way. Suppose
1: he does what you say. Are you gonna believe it?
5: No, because a true apology is change behavior.
0: And until that happens, we'll be waiting.
1: I think you're gonna be waiting a long (laughs) time. Okay, taking a break. When we come back, Kourtney Kardashian is unveiling something for Christmas. That would be her kid and also her body. We will get into both when we come back. So, Kourtney Kardashian um, has kind of been very private since giving birth to Rocky, Um, but she has now broken that silence, Um, and she has posted pictures of her baby. This is Rocky, and you only see his head there, but Travis, there's a better picture of the baby there. Still, you don't see the kid's face. Why is it that people are not just showing their babies anymore? I don't get it. I mean, it's why, like, see a little, finger. You see a head. The back of that baby's head is clearly
2: not going to be as attractive as his cute little face. So just show us. Show us Rocky. This is
1: clearly a thing now. Somebody like Skype in this week and explain that to us. We'll see you tomorrow.